episode three. Still doing it. Still talking. It's uh, it's a lot of talking. Uh, in addition to this podcast, I was actually a guest on two other podcasts this week. One also about modeling and one about acting. So I'll be sure to share those as they come online. But um, it's a lot. It's a lot of talking. You, you don't talk for an hour straight very often. At least I don't. Uh, I usually just talk to myself or my dog. But it's interesting talking for that long and then going over all that talking. Um, I'm definitely picking up on some vocal tics that I'm trying to work on, and it's it's some cool feedback. So it's a new experience for me. I hope you guys are enjoying it as I continue to grow on this podcasting journey. Um, been, a, been a big week. I mentioned two weeks ago that I finished an art, big art piece, um, and I just shared a video revealing that art piece on my Instagram. If you guys don't know, I make portraits of serial killers out of breakfast cereal. Get it? Serial killers? <laughs> uh, and this one was actually a commission I did for a client, and it's a portrait of Dexter. So this is my first fictional serial killer, but it turned out super cool. I did it in Fruity Pebbles. It's on a 20 by 20 canvas, and it's it's pretty striking. The colors turned out really well. It's at the framers now, and the client's super happy with it, so I can't wait to get it on her wall where it belongs. Um, other than that, it's just been a busy week of running around. I did some. <laughs> I did a runway show for Speedo, which is a pretty regular client, and talk about vulnerability. There's not much more vulnerable than you know, wearing six inches of fabric while people judge um, that fabric on your, you know, your sensitive bits. And a lot of times they want to see it closer and they'll come and, you know, feel the fabric and they're, they're looking at the suit, but it's, um, it's, it's different. It's definitely, um, it's definitely vulnerable. And a lot of auditions this week, a lot of driving around, a lot of listening to podcasts, but this episode is with my friend and professional photographer who is now a creative director, Mike Smolo. And he is a great dude. He um, grew up in Philly, then became a surf photographer, then became a successful commercial model. It's commercial photographer, excuse me. Forgot they were flipping the script here. Um, and now he's on to bigger and better things. And we sat down at his home um, which is lovely and had a great talk. I was really excited to sit down with him because I've known him for so long. But when you have a conversation like this, you learn so much more about someone that you never knew. And it was really nice to connect with him like that. And he had some great insights about um, the modeling industry from the other side of the camera. You know, he's worked with lots of different models. His wife is a model. He has shot with me. He did some of my earliest photos ever. Um, and he just we were kind of on the same page in terms of what the the model photographer relationship is like when it's ideal and what it's like when it's not so great. So we, um, we learned a lot from each other, I think in this, and I'm, I'm imagining that you guys are going to learn a lot as well. So I don't know. Enjoy. I realized that the last one was like a little too quiet, so I'm trying to make the levels a little higher. Have you done one since Steph? Um, nope. It's you, buddy. What's her name? Steph? Steph Cordial. Steph Cordial. It's funny. Like, I've worked with her, and I knew her on Instagram, so I thought it was Corgal for the longest That's time. That's what I thought it was, too. It's yeah. so weird. Like, in LA, you just, you know people by their Instagram handles. Yep. But I'm lucky that I know you, because I moved into your bedroom in Venice, 
You did. In that- 2011. How did that happen? So Nick, your buddy Nick was looking for a roommate. You moved to San Clemente to work for Rip Curl as like their in-house photographer. And then some girl moved into that room and then she moved out and I moved in because I fell into like our group of friends. But did you know someone? I knew, I met Kevin. Oh, you knew Kevin. And then Kevin was like my social planner. Yeah. Went to a party at your old house. Mm-hmm. And then Nick was like, yeah, we need a roommate. And I moved in to like the ultimate compound. With Matt Bauer. With Matt Bauer. Yeah. Mark Bauer. Mark Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were the days, man. When I tell people about that house, I'm like, yeah, we had a three bedroom with a courtyard, three parking spaces on Abbott Canyon in Venice for $3,000. It's like, what? Wish I held on to that one. Yeah. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Hindsight's 2020. But, okay. So, the question that starts this all off. Yep. What were you up to when you were seven years old? Seven years old. Uh, so, I was in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Okay. I was, what's seven years old? Second grade, yep. probably. So, I I think I just had started playing ice hockey, and that was my new thing. So, um, falling up and down the ice as a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And you have one younger brother and a sister? I do. Alex, he's a year and a half younger than me. And then Shana, who is six years younger than me. Yeah. And Alex is out here doing the movie making thing. He is. Yeah. Him and I actually started a little production company a little while ago. Really? About, uh, close to a year ago now. Yep. So doing like short form documentary stuff. Um, yeah. Kind of my foray into into the film side of things. Which is Does he work cool. with Califia? Uh, yeah, he does a lot of work with Calfia. Yep. Yeah. So how does a seven-year-old ice hockey dirt ball from Philly become a surf photographer? That's what interests me. Because when I met you, you were, you just moved from Venice to San Clemente. You were in-house photographer, Rip Curl, and you were just kind of like hustling, trying to take photos of surfers. I went to an art show you did. You hadn't really broken into the commercial photography side of things. So like, how does, how do you go from hockey, (laughs) frozen water to waves of water? Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not the everyday path for sure. Mm -mm. Um, so where I grew up in Pennsylvania, it's about 45 minutes from the shore. Jersey shore. That's what we call it. It's called beach. Um, so I was never interested in surfing, anything like that. I snowboarded growing up a bunch. I love that. Um, and then I met this guy, Nick, who you know, who used to live with, um, in high school, I guess 10th grade. And he was super into surfing. He looked like he grew up in Newport Beach. He looks like John John Florence. Yeah, he's yeah. a salty, yeah. salty guy. Um, so yeah, so he he was into surfing somehow, and he had gone to surf camp at Trestles, really uh, in San Clemente. Cool. When he was like thirteen or something like that, and he started driving to the Jersey Shore like a couple of days a week after school. So we'd get out of school at two thirty and then go, yeah. go surf. So um, I just wanted to be cool. So I. I Classic story. Yep. I tug along, just trying um, to be cool. my, me and my buddy Colin, and then got really into it. And then they, Colin and, and Nick, went, ended up going to college in Hawaii. Yeah. And that was a little too far for me. Yeah. So um, actually, I had, I had wanted to be a vet. So that was my plan initially, was to be a veterinarian. And so I went to undergrad for a semester at James Madison University. Okay. And then I was like, I, I love surfing too much. I got to be a part of this. <laughs> And I'd always like taking photos. My parents were, you know, the kind of parents who were super supportive and yeah. they wanted me to do whatever I wanted to do. Right. So there was never any like, oh, you can't make money doing this. So there's no way we're going to let you go to school. In California. And you didn't have that feeling? Because I, I like 
went into college as an econ major because I was terrified that being an art major or a writing major, like I would never make money. You never felt that? Uh, no, I definitely felt that for yeah. sure. But at the same time, like my parents were just like, you know, if it, this doesn't work out, do something else. Like there's yeah. only one way to figure it out. It's so nice and to have that support. At, at the same time, my two best friends had gone to school in, in Hawaii, University of yeah. Hawaii. So it's not like a good school by any means. I mean, maybe it is for certain things, but for like surfing. For, for surfing, yeah. exactly. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm 18, I'll, I'll figure it out. Like I had friends yeah. who didn't even go to college the first year. They just stayed home and like, you know, what's my parents are going to help me pay for it. Then I might as well give it a shot. Right. Um, so yeah, so I was just like looking it, it actually, it's funny. I always liked taking photos, but I never thought anything of it professionally. Um, well, it was so different back then. Like photography was a very, like you could be a national geographic photographer or like, I didn't, I didn't even know, like it's right. not Instagram like it is now. You know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, my only real experience was like in a dark room in high school. Like me I said, too. You know, the three, three years of classes. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, in the dark room, but after that, like I didn't really think about it. And yeah. then I was actually just looking at art schools. I was like, Oh, maybe I'll be an art teacher. I feel like that would be a cool way to look into it. Yeah. Um, so I started looking at schools in California just cause that's where I could surf and be in warm water. And then I don't even know how it happened. I think a pop-up ad of some sort for Brooks Institute, uh, popped up and I put my name in and then I got a call like 45 minutes later from yeah. some lady and she's like, Hey, I'm here with admissions from, from Brooks and just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the school. She basically sold me the dream. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, our campus can see the water and everybody's Where is all Brooks? day long. Uh, Brooks actually doesn't exist anymore. Oh. Um, Where was it? <laughs> it was it was in Santa Barbara. So it was a uh, super iconic, great school. A ton of yeah, amazing photographers it. came out of there. Um, unfortunately, the year after I graduated, they sold to a for-profit company that owns like 80 colleges. And so they bought it and we had a, a bunch of different campuses around Santa Barbara and they just slowly started to sell them off and then yeah. poof gone well you got in at the right time i got in at the right time i got out at the right time yeah more, more importantly so. well it's interesting because i was big in the, the photography in high school was my jam i did three years in an independent study in the dark room and i wanted to combine it with mountain climbing my like senior project for my senior spring break i skipped cancun and went and climbed mount kilimanjaro and did this huge like i was really into hockney and these big like photo mosaics and yeah. like i did that and i that was always kind of in the back of my head was somehow combining creativity with the outdoors so I could see how, you know, the surfing lifestyle combined with a good eye and a photographic skill is just like a no brainer. Absolutely. And then, so you're in Santa Barbara, you end up in LA and then San Clemente just doing it. Yeah. So I, so I came here, I like, honestly, I didn't even know what I was going to do photographically. Like it wasn't, I wanted to surf and I saw being in photography school as a way to get to California to surf, Yeah. but it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to go be a surf photographer. So I started at school. I was there for maybe a semester and I met this guy, Todd Glazer, who's like an amazing photographer. He was staff at, at Surfer Forever. Maybe he still is. Um, and he was in the class above me and, and I just kind of got to know him and he yeah. was out shooting photos in the water. So I was like, shit, that's like a pretty awesome way yeah. to like make the ocean really a part of my life. So I bought a w underwater housing and I started shooting photos. Um, I got super lucky the very first time I ever shot in the water. I got a spread in Surfer Magazine, like just total luck. And I never recreated it again. It was like, well, I'm sure the market wasn't as saturated back then. No, it wasn't. And it you, wasn't. you know, you had, a, I remember when I moved into that house in Venice, the, I think the only art on the wall, we had a, we had a mounted sailfish and then just your photos yeah. all over the place. And it was like, perfect. Surfer den in Venice. Like maybe totally. this is my life. I think those were, those were the unsold pieces from yeah. the art show that maybe you came to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did that follow the light, chasing the light. Follow the light. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I was a finalist in that, which is like a surf contest for up and coming surf photographers. Yeah. 
Um, and then, yeah. So then I got a job at Rip Curl. So I, I moved from Santa Barbara. I graduated. I moved to Venice for yep. like two months, got a job at Rip Curl. So then I left and that's when you took my room, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then I was at, yeah, I was at Rip Curl for, for three years or so. And it's interesting because we both moved to LA as Instagram was starting to blow up, as it was going from, this is a cool way to share photos I would normally share on Facebook to, oh, people are getting tons of followers and like this new influencer category is developing. And, you know, you were riding that as a photographer who was, you in the surfing community and then you sort of branched into more fitness and lifestyle photography. Uh, yeah. So that's, well, it's funny with Instagram. Like I remember it was like, there was no, there was no algorithms or anything like that. Yeah. It was just like whatever you posted showed up to whoever was following you. And I remember one day everything changed and I had like 16,000 followers and it dropped to like 2000 followers. Yeah. Like they like changed something and like, it was like it's such a weird thing that that, that I, just Instagram's weird, man. It's, I mean, I remember it's so, it's so the weird. other guy I lived with, Matt, he he was like, I think I'm going to do this. And he like worked really hard to become an influencer early. And I was like, what are you doing with all this Instagram bullshit? And then he started Instagram like media company and he's killing it. We're doing like ads for Toyota. Part of me is like, I wish I would have got it on the forefront a little earlier. But what's funny about that is so I, I met Matt because he was the digital guy at Rip Curl. Yeah. So he's actually the guy who hired me on. And I remember when Instagram came out, I downloaded it. And he's like, that's the stupidest shit in the world. Yeah. Like, I, I will never have Instagram. And then, like, three months later, yeah. sneaky Matt. He was, like, one of the first people I knew with 20,000 followers. And it was like, holy shit, that's yeah. an insane number. Who cares about your photos? And that was going. And I mean, he had yeah. the foresight to, to know that that was going to yeah, be a big he, thing. Yeah, and he eventually went to Nike and then quit his job at Nike to yep. start his own company. And as far as I know, they're killing it. Yeah. Rosewood LLC. Check it yeah, out. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Um, so how, like... It's, you know, the modeling and photographer hustle sort of goes hand in hand because I talk a lot about test shoots where to build up your portfolio, you work with photographers who are also trying to build their portfolio because you need the work in your book to then book the work you want to shoot. Um, so it's the same sort of hustle and it's sort of a, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. And I think you've taken some of the first, you took the first modeling photos of me ever um, you were doing one shoot with this girl in like our friend Matt's van and you're like, I need a guy driving. So you took a picture of the back of my head. Oh, you're in that. Yeah. You're in that photo. Yeah. Right? So that's wow. my first like modeling wow. photo. I think you have a shirt that says, uh, Coke is great. Coke is it. Coke is it. Yeah. It's Coke a Coca-Cola, Coca like, like vintage store shirt I bought. That's and cool. then, you know, when I was trying to like dip my toe into the modeling industry, I knew that your girlfriend at the time and now wife Emily is, was moving up the ranks in the modeling world. And I asked you to take some just like portfolio shots of me, like, you know, headshot three quarter profile for these agency submission websites where you go and you submit six photos and tell them a little about yourself and then you never hear back from them. So you took those first photos of me and I remember being so awkward and you were like, you know, just rock back and forth on your feet, like keep your hands away from your face. And I had no clue what I was doing. And I mean, you must see so much working with models in terms of experience level and directing them versus letting them do their thing. And I mean, how how have you grown as a photographer in terms of, you know, being married to a model, working with models? Because you did a lot of work for Skechers and other lifestyle brands. I mean, what's it like sort of evolving as models evolve with you? Uh, it's interesting because like when I first... so to backtrack a little bit, like I, so I was, I was a surf photographer and then I wanted to start shooting. Like I was shooting catalogs and stuff for Rip Curl, but I wanted to like break into that 
you know, that other realm of photography. So yeah. speaking of test shoots, I reached out to Wilhelmina, um, LA and they sent me like a package of girls to, to choose from to test with. So I was like, Oh, I yeah. want to shoot, I want to shoot some models and see what that's like. Um, and so I picked the first girl that I picked was Emily, who's my wife now. <laughs> like, <laughs> you like, chose oh, I wanna, wisely. <laughs> I want to photograph this girl. So we, yeah, we, we shot and I had no idea what I was doing and, and yeah. she knew what she was doing. And we, we got some great images actually. Um, and some other work came from that and stuff. But like I, at first, like I didn't realize that anything other than like a pretty face mattered. Oh, yeah. You know, like at first it's like, oh, cool. Like this girl's pretty. I want photos of this girl. Mm -hmm. you know? And then you shoot another girl and she's pretty, you know, and you shoot a guy and he's good. And then you shoot a really pretty girl and she's horrible. Yeah. And you're like, oh, like actually there, there really takes some skill to this. Yeah. And like over time, you just realize that like it, it really is a, a craft and like working with a professional model who is seasoned and like really knows like for lack of a better word, like their body and like how mm -hmm. they are in front of the camera. It's like, it's just, it's night and day. It's so yeah. valuable. And, um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, it makes, it makes the job a lot different because you get to set as a photographer and like you're in control of everything. There's a lot of pressure on you to, right. to be talking to the client, making them feel at ease and, and figuring out the shot list and like just, I mean, everything there's, there's, yeah. there's all the production that goes into it. The last thing you want to be doing is dealing with a model that doesn't know what they're doing. And, and a lot of times you have to deal with that because client hired a model off Instagram or they hired their friend's daughter who's pretty, mm -hmm. you know, the art director, some kind of sleazeball who like finds some girl on Instagram that he's, yeah. you know, and everyone has a first shoot, you for know, sure. Absolutely. So you end up on set one day and it's your first time there and it's, it's like put up or shut up, like pay attention and listen or realize this is not for you. Absolutely. You know? Yep. And I remember when you started dating Emily, I would see you just like around Venice taking photos all the time. And it's one of those things where it's the 10,000 hours. You just got to get your reps in. You need to, you know, learn how to be a better photographer and follow the trends of what's current in commercial photography. And you also need to learn how to work with a model. And I mean, imagine being in a relationship with someone takes down a little bit of that barrier of, you know, um, insecurity when it comes to feedback or direction. So you kind of lucked out in that regard that you got a muse who was also like a beautiful model. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. And, and just watching her, watching her grow as a professional too is, is incredible because yeah. she's really good at her job and she gets a lot of work because of it. And, and yeah. um, it's, it's really interesting, like seeing stuff come out where she's with other models and like seeing her compare to other people. It's like, it's just like really, yeah. I never would have thought and forgive me. I never like as a kid or as even like a young adult looking at magazines, you never think of those people as like, professionals like you just think of them as a pretty face like right. oh look at that model like that right you know that girl's hot or that guy's got good abs or whatever but mm -hmm. there's really so much more to it and it really it really reflects on you and and it gets you a lot more work when people like have have worked with you and they know that you're easy to work with and you're yeah. helpful and you're listen well and i mean kudos to you because like you figured it out i mean it I'd say this all the time. Like when I signed with my first agency, I was like, that's it. I'm a model now. They found me. You know, I got discovered classic LA story. And then you just like realize you're not going to book work based on your face alone. You know, you have to build the portfolio. You have to build the skill set. And a lot of it is just learning from photographers because there are the photographers who will say, try something different, mix it up. And if you don't have the experience, you have no repertoire of moves where, you know, if I've been on a running shoot, I know some stretches they might like or some movements they might like or, you know, how to hit the right strides. But if I don't know those things and I'm in a, a new like a new type of shoot environment, I need to rely on a photographer who can give me some ideas, at least work with me or 
no one's going to be happy. I'm not going to be happy with how I look. You're not going to be happy with how I look. And the client's not going to be happy. And then that reflects poorly on you. So how have you learned, I don't know, in, in maybe the early stages of your career, like how did you learn how to just sort of direct models and, you know, pick up on ways to encourage them to get the best shot? Um, I think that comfort is a huge thing. Like a lot of times you'll come to set or you want to shoot with people who aren't, they're not seasoned, but that they're they're really ner- like you can just tell that they're nervous. Or you yeah. come somewhere and everyone everyone comes to a job and they're focused on what they have to do. Right. And a lot of times that comes off as like being, you know, rude or a prick or something like that because you're not talking to each other. Yeah. But I think like the the best thing you can do as a photographer and as a model too, talking to photographers, like just like chit chat a little bit, like have some small talk, yeah. like forget what you're about to do and just like become. I mean, not friends, but just like get to know each other Show in, some in 30 seconds, yeah. ask how someone's day was, ask how someone's weekend was, mention some sports thing that happened. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, any, anything to kind of just break the ice. I think that's the most important thing because like a lot of times people are just, they're so nervous. And like, I mean, even people who are, are good models, like if they're not feeling comfortable with the photographer, yeah. or with people on set, then like you're going to see that in, in the images for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, I talked about this with Steph on the last podcast where when we show up to set, we have generally the least information you know what you're there to do everyone else knows their job and we're kind of just like these lost little lambs waiting for someone to connect with us and when a photographer does break the ice and you can just let your guard down and be comfortable with them it makes the the job so much easier because i can trust you and know that you're i don't know you're not just a finger on a shutter button you know it's it, it i've had experience with photographers who don't even look you in the eye. Like they have assistants who hand them the camera. Like you get ushered to set and they're, they're not even looking at you. You're just expected to assume the role and that gets scary. And then it doesn't, you don't feel comfortable. And if you're not going to feel comfortable, it's not going to translate for sure. And I think that that, that rests on the photographer too. Cause like at the end of the day, the images don't look good. Like that's like, yeah, you could blame it on the model, but also like as a professional photographer, the same way that a model needs to know how to move themselves. Like you need to know how to make, that image come together yeah um and it's not always the easiest thing sometimes i mean like there's some models you shoot with that are just the easiest dream like any image you take will be perfect and they're so comfortable in their skin and they're freely moving you're getting these amazing candid images that you would never expect to get or you could never recreate if you were posing someone and then on the opposite end like you have someone who has that same personality even and but they don't know how to move in front of a camera yeah like you just really have i mean it, it it really comes down to experience like i i can't say that there's a specific thing that i would recommend to a photographer to tell someone that's not comfortable in their skin other than just try and get them comfortable like with you and forget about the camera um i think it just really takes i mean yeah i wish there was like well i think a lot of it comes down to like if you're maybe if you're a little in over your head it's a big shoot for you you're not sure if you can deliver the images like your insecurity is going to come off as maybe coldness And then that's just going to rebound off the model and you're going to like, you're nervous. So that makes them nervous. And then you're both nervous and it's awkward and you get into a situation where no one's functioning at their best. And so how do you feel maybe if you're in a position where you're a little nervous, so you, you don't know exactly the right movements for this type of shoot. How do you feel if a model offers advice or like speaks up about ideas or like, do you get threatened if they, yeah, I mean, I think every photographer is different. Yeah. Like for me, a lot of the stuff that I do is like candid, like, yeah, just like candid lifestyle stuff. So it's not like, I mean, if you're in a studio and you're shooting with, with lights and stuff and everything's set and you have a specific shot that you're trying to get and yeah. you 
all the references and stuff, um, I think it's a little bit different. But for me, I feel like the best images that I get are when the model really does start to feel comfortable with what right. they're doing. And if they're confident, then it helps. It's not it's not the end all be all, but um, I'm, I'm not opposed. I wouldn't say advice. Like I don't want to be told how to do right. what I'm doing, but if they want to take chances in what they're doing, absolutely, I'm all for that. Yeah. For and the type of work that I do, I don't think it doesn't work for everything. If you're shooting like a beauty campaign for L'Oreal or something like that, it's a very static shot and it's yeah. like the lights are perfect in a certain way. Like that's not going to work. But for the type of shooting that I do, I think that the more, the more free-flowing and candid that you can be, if you're open to taking chances that I'm all for it. And that's something that Zach talked about in the first episode where he was like, if you have an, if you can tell that the photographer is running out of ideas and you have an idea of something that's worked on a previous shoot, don't be like, Hey man, you should do this. If you were a better photographer, you'd know it. Just do it. Like go sit on that wall, go stretch your leg this way. Photographers are going to see it and pick up on it and turn the camera on. Not to mention a photographer sees that and they get the photo and then they see the photo and they're like, Oh damn, that's sick. And then they get excited about yeah. it. And they almost think that it was like them that caused their idea. It. And yeah. so, and then, and then in turn, the model sees the photographer get really excited. So then they're like, Oh, look what I just did. And he liked that. So I'm going to do more. And it's yeah. just like this really amazing symbiotic relationship that gets created on set by accident. Like you never right. expect that, but when it happens, like that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. And that's where you get the best. Yeah. Stuff. There's this, this like idea that Ryan holiday, who's a big like marketing guru. He works for American Apparel talks about, and I, there's some Latin term for it, but it's basically be a blank canvas for others to paint on. Like don't instruct them, but just be available for them to do their best work. And don't do it in a way that belittles them or makes makes you feel like you're more important or like the holier thou mentality, but just just like help everyone do their job better. And if that's, you know, letting them think that that pose was their idea, great. Everybody wins in the long run, right? Absolutely. Yeah. At the end of the day, you got the shot, you got the shot. And no yeah. one's saying, wow, that was really... A great job by the model or oh that was really a great job by the photographer it's it's the team and i mean you have clearly figured it out to some extent because we're in your beautiful home that was paid for by photography which is such an impressive feat in la um and now you're working as the creative director for califia uh yeah just about it's not yeah. specifically creative director but yeah i lead all of the the digital creative uh for califia farms we're a plant plant-based food and beverage company yeah you guys have oat milk now right we do it's they're on delicious. the bandwagon you should try it out froths that's what yeah. i hear yeah i drink regular milk i'm from the midwest whatever yeah i don't but, <laughs> but yeah so now you've kind of transcended above just being a photographer on the ground and you're directing you're almost like the general sort of i mean i know you do some of the shooting yourself but you have a broader vision of the whole branding process right absolutely yeah so it was uh it was a cool opportunity that i wasn't expecting to to get into um but Shooting freelance, freelance is fun and I, I enjoy it and I still do freelance work, but um, it's hard to sink your teeth into something that only lasts for a day or two days or yeah. three days or five days. Yeah. I'm um, sure you have like pre-production and all that stuff, but like you don't get tied to companies because it's so quick. Like you have a shoot, you get briefed, you figure it out, you, you produce it and then, and then you're done with it. So I was offered this position and I was asked to come in and kind of move all the creative in-house. They had the agency they were using for everything. Yeah. Um, and it was an opportunity for me to like really sink my teeth into a brand uh, longer term, which for me was amazing, especially this type of brand, because I'm a vegetarian, care a lot about animals. I'm going to sell this house and move to a farm at some point. <laughs> yeah, you've already got, what, three yeah, animals here? Right? Yeah, yeah, it's a menagerie in here. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the goal long term. So to be at a company that's really promoting a plant-based lifestyle and less carbon emissions and less less meat consumption, yeah. um, it spoke to me and it was a really cool opportunity to kind of grow with a brand that I, I really support. So, yeah. um, it's been cool. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit different. So I'm, 
I'm directing the commercial stuff and I'm hiring photographers to shoot a lot of the campaign stuff, um, which is, which is different, but it's also a really fun way to see it. Cause I understand how the craft works. And yeah. I've been around that for so long to be able to step back a little bit and see from kind of like a broader scope is, um, it's fun. I'm having a good time. And are you involved in the casting process when you guys do spots or shoots or, Absolutely. Yep. and I mean, what, what have you learned? Because as a photographer, you may have a say in it, but generally you're just given models and they're there the day of the shoot and you're there the day of the shoot and you make it work. So how do you feel about getting to pick the models for a specific shoot? Uh, so it's, it's pretty collaborative. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll reach out to agencies and I will, or I'll have a casting. I usually get books first yeah. um, online and I'll go through and then we'll have a small casting. Um, our CEO is very involved, so he's involved in a lot of it as well. So I'll do, I'll do the initial choosing. Um, but that's a really great collaborative process, collaborative process, um, with the CEO and a couple other executives. And, yeah. Um, it's cool. Yeah. I'm used to going to set and they're just there. Not yeah. knowing who's going to show up. Yeah, it's like, you, yeah. I mean, for models, like you don't know, you're going to have a wife on set and you, you meet her that morning and she probably has a real husband and you're like, so we're going to pretend that, we're, you know, we're going to maybe kiss and hold hands and be intimate. But, you know, there's a there's a steep learning curve in terms of, you know, getting comfortable, which you've talked about the importance of. And I think it's interesting, you know, talking about bringing the ad agency service in-house because it seems like a lot of brands are doing that now and the agency model is maybe not dying off, but becoming less of a priority um, because brands are, you know, with Instagram and digital media presence, like everything is its own curated identity. And if you can do that in house, it's going to be much more effective than sh farming it out and paying exorbitant rates to these, you know, bloated agencies. For sure. I think there's a lot of cost that gets lost with agencies that people yeah. don't understand where that money's going. Um, and I think people are, are, becoming more aware and they're also capable people are capable like it, it can be a lot more run and gun than it used to be it used yeah. to be like you know you shoot a commercial it has to be a million dollar production like now you could literally take a camera oh with, yeah you know your ac and dp and go out and shoot an entire commercial in a day without permits yeah and that's a commercial you know? yeah i mean for print shoots there's so many times where i show up and you know when you show up to set you expect you don't know if there's going to be crafty or like all these people and sometimes it's just a photographer like hey man and it has no lights and you're just get running out getting natural light and then you see it on you know sponsored Instagram post and it's probably just as effective as something that costs way more money, you know? Totally. And then it's even more of a treat for you when you show up to set and it's it's a totally different situation. And yeah. There's four art directors and there's twenty agency people and the best food you've ever had in your life. Well that's like, nice too. That's a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. The free food's probably the best part of the job. And I wonder, you know, if that eight the the sort of deprioritizing of the agency model is gonna translate to the model side of things as well, because, you know, there are these influencers who are their own agents basically, and people reach out to do sponsored posts. And I don't know if that's as effective as agency represented models who have kind of been through the ringer and been on all these different kinds of shoots and aren't their own curators of their own content. Well, I think you see people's Instagrams and you see that they have this great photo, right? But you mm -hmm. don't know how long it took them to shoot right. that. You don't know who shot that. You don't know. Like, it could have taken them, you know, 45 minutes to get one photo. Yeah, there was one influencer who, she was like, this is a beautiful photo. And then what you don't see is the 1,200 photos I made my little sister take while we fought and cried. And it's like, you, like, you know, we take, I don't know how many photos you take on a day of shooting for Skechers or some brand, but like, you can't spend 1200 takes on one shot. We no, don't use not enough time. It doesn't work. And that yeah. translates. So yeah, if someone gets hired and they come to a shoot, 
and they, they're not used to that, then yeah. that's going to become apparent very quickly. And I've, I've seen models get sent home before. Um, really? A few times. Yeah. Whoa. I won't say what, what brands. <laughs> I bet for, I know but. who sent them home. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's brutal. That's so brutal. But like at, at the same time, like that's, it's validation for you guys because yeah. it's really like, it's not working out for a reason because that person mm-hmm. hasn't learned what they need to do for what they're doing. It's like, that's the weird thing about social media is like, you can create this facade for yourself that no one has any idea who you really are. Like yeah. I could change my name and I could post photos that I find online of other people and like no one would have any idea. And yeah. Like, oh, that guy's so cool. Yeah. But like, no one has any, like, there's no face-to-face contact. There's no, there's no agency to, to say, yes, this is our model and they are good at their job and you should hire them. So, um, I think that, you know, every once in a while it works out. And I think for something like where a brand is willing to, or wants to pay you 10 grand to take a photo of their bag and put it on your Instagram and send the photo, then like that works for that. But to hire, like to, to think that, those types of people will take your jobs long term. I don't. I don't think that that's yeah. a thing. I, don't think I mean, because I, you know, I run into all these models who have massive Instagram followings and they spend so much time curating their page. But part of me wonders, like, how much are they actually working? You know, maybe they bought followers. Maybe you know, maybe they're sponsoring posts. But like, that is also a very saturated market, and people aren't making what they used to make. And it's very easy to create this facade of, oh, I'm such a successful model, but. At the end of the day, like how many days a week are you on set, you know? And that's the thing. You really have no idea. Yeah. You know, you really have no idea. And I mean, your wife has a modest Instagram following and she's beautiful. So she's going to get followers, but absolutely. she also works all the time. All the time. And also bought a house. And yeah. and she's not shooting like huge campaigns every day. She's shooting like yeah. she has really great, consistent e-com clients yeah. and, and, um, and like it's not the most glamorous stuff, but like that's literally, those are the brands that are going to pay your set. Like that's how you're going to make, yeah. make enough money to survive being a model or you know book a commercial every once in a while then you're good but yeah um i mean e-commerce is nice it's basically online catalog work so like i've done it for levi's where it's just if you go to levi's and you select a pair of pants like i'm the guy from the waist down wearing the pants it's you probably won't even see my face it's not glamorous but the cool thing about it is it's a consistent client so you get to know a team and i go to san francisco it's the same people same makeup artist same you know stylist and it's comfortable and you talk about being a freelance photographer and running around and not being able to sink your teeth into something. I get that because, you know, you make these friends for a day, these single serving friends to quote fight club and then they're gone. And like, maybe you'll stay in touch on Instagram, but probably not really. And there is a part of you that wants some consistency. Um, and also the other thing is you're, you know, you're married to a model and she's flying around working different shoots and it would be tough if both of you were living that hustle, I'd imagine. And we did for a while. Yeah, it, it is tough, and it wears on you because there's there's really no consistency. I listened to your last your last podcast with Steph. Yeah, um, and I think she was saying that she needs to have someone who has a different type of job yeah. that's not so up in the air all the time because right. like you have to have that consistency. And I mean, it really helps for us. It's amazing. And like, I have health insurance for us. It's not like the end all be all craziest thing, but it's it's also nice to have. It's that, a good balance. Cushion a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say back to what you were saying about having some consistency as a model, though. Like, I think the best thing that Emily ever happened to Emily professionally was she started working at Zappos in yeah. Vegas. And for like three years, she was at Zappos like three to five days a week, which is every week, a lot for it's models. So much to be on set that many days yeah. a week is unheard of. And so she would fly to Vegas in the morning. It's five in the morning. And then yep. I would pick her up in the afternoon on Friday at six 30. Um, and she made all of the best friends that she has today working there. She yeah. has friends, really good friends in Vegas, four of her best friends who are models too, that were there. Like they had, I think eight or 12 bays set up and just photographer and model and yeah. stylist all day long. And she made like all of her good friends that way. And, and yeah. I think that that 
is really, it's a rare thing in modeling to have that kind of consistency where you can really get to know a team, get to know yeah. the people that are there, feel comfortable, know the brand, like really understand like what the brand stands for um, and how to do your job better. Because yeah, I mean, you go in somewhere, like you really are relying on the art director or the photographer to tell you what to do yeah. because you don't, you don't know the brand at all. And um, Ecom's fun too because you just get really good at it. Totally. You know like the moves they want and it's just like they do front and you go click, 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 got it turn profile click 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 got it and you just like it feels nice to be like a like a machine totally i'll say as a photographer it's it's the most miserable job there is i in, bet in yeah <laughs> I bet. but it, it it is fun hanging out with people like it's you yeah. get to know people really well you play some music like having a good time it's fun yeah it's yeah. it's brutal and it's a grind um and it's not glamorous by any means but you do make relationships which is a rarity yeah. in this industry i think which is is cool yeah i mean part of this podcast is of course to give insights and tips on the modeling industry but also just to i don't know make the community feel a little smaller because you meet these people and you know there's something there in terms of a potential friendship but then you're all both off and running and like you may never see each other again and it's so rare to sit down with someone and have an hour-long conversation where you're not checking your phone or being called to set or like trying to coordinate like well let's get drinks on thursday oh no i have a shoot that came up let's do it's just never you never i don't know it feels a little lonely you know so it's nice to just foster some relationships absolutely it is it is uh a rare chance that you get to do something like that yeah it's interesting i was listening to your episode with steph and and i was like oh she sounds familiar and i looked her up and and we spent four days on the road for sketchers yeah this go run campaign like three years ago i think and we were in chicago for a few days and and the whole time I'm listening, I'm like, wow, this girl's really well-spoken. She seems really cool. Like, I wish that I had talked to her. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, wish, I wish that we had connected on set because she seems really cool. Um, so it's almost, it, it's it's funny now to, like, learn about someone that I've actually had contact yeah. with, but, like, not. And there's always know. such a, like, a deeper story. And that's where that first question comes from, like, where were you when you were seven years old? Um, where because, were you when you were seven years old? So I was, I've been waiting for someone to flip the script on me. Um, I was running around in the woods. I lived in St. Louis, Missouri, and I had a creek in my backyard. I was an only child for most of my life. And I was just running around in the woods and making weird art. And that's pretty much what I'm doing now. I run around, I surf, I hike, I climb, and then I make weird, weird art. art. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty much doing the same thing, which feels pretty nice. Like, I think if you think back to who you were at seven, like, that's the most pure form of... I had no siblings who were telling me, don't do that. That's dumb. So I was doing the weirdest stuff. And that's just the purest expression of your soul or whatever you want to call it. So it's nice to feel like I'm somewhat in touch with that, you know? Yeah. Seven-year-olds aren't self-conscious at all, mm -mm. which is is amazing. Yeah. I wish I could go back to that. Just be amazing to just be so free as a seven-year-old. And like, yeah. you're not thinking about anything except for that rock you're about to pick up and throw. Like, that's it. Like, that's all you're worried about. I always think about like... The only way I went up the stairs was running on all fours. <laughs> like, imagine doing that as a kid, like as an adult, you know, as a kid, you just like beat up the stairs and like, now I'm in my bedroom and I'm going to do something else. But like, there's a freedom. I'm just like, I don't care. Just, I don't, I saw this dude running down the street today, just dead sprint in the <laughs> business suit. And I was like, I hope he's just having a good time. Like, I, I bet you he was. That's, that's what he's doing. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> he wasn't running for some bus or something. Uh, well, so I want to ask you as, as a model, what, do you like what's an ideal situation as a as a photographer like coming to set who who's the ideal photographer that you want to work with in term uh, in terms of how they approach the day um i think a big part of it is being like casual and nice up top not getting down to business immediately if there if time permits like just 
introducing yourself, like a handshake goes a long way just in terms of like feeling a connection. And maybe they'll explain a little bit about the tone. They say, you know, did you get a chance to go over the mood boards? Or this is what we're thinking. This is what we're shooting. This is how the lighting's going to be, which just gets me comfortable with what we're about to do. And then just gives me a chance to connect with the photographer. Because at the end of the day, like we're not saving lives. You know, no one's going to die if we don't get the shot. And if we all just relax a little bit up top, then yeah, we're going to work hard and do our best. But the pressure is, you just got to realize we're, like, we're selling shoes. It's not a big deal. And there's a lot of money on the line and, you know, there's a lot of pressure, but it doesn't have to be uh, overbearing, I think. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. And I think like where we are in our lives, our age, our like activity level, like I think we're usually probably hanging out with people that are like pretty like-minded anyway. So yeah. you just like pretend like you're better friends than you are. You're really just hanging out with your friends all day. Yeah. And that's, you know, I was talking about with Steph is like, if you just pretend someone's already your friend and get over the awkwardness, they're probably pretty similar to you. They're in a very similar situation. You're both on set doing the same kind of thing. You're both creative and have fallen into these weird jobs. So like get over the, you know, where'd you grow up and just just have fun, make a joke. Yep. And like, if they don't get it, whatever. So where did you grow up? St. Louis. St. Louis. I told you. So if I, if I was going to try modeling, yeah. what would be your advice? In terms of like getting into making a career of it or just having... Let's say I get hired for something. Yeah. This is all hypothetical. Yeah. Let's say I get hired for something or I'm going to an audition. Mm-hmm. So let's say, lines. yes, one of your friends is starting a brand and is like, I think you got this great look for my brand. Like I'd love to do a lifestyle shoot with you. My best advice would be go in knowing that you were picked for a reason. So half the battle's over. You're on set. They see something in you that they like. You weren't forced upon them. And then knowing that they see that potential in you, just listen to what they have to say. Don't overthink it. Don't, don't, the biggest thing is don't try to model because I look at a lot of my early photos and I'm trying so hard to model, which is a catch 22 because the harder you try to model, the more you look like you're modeling, which is not modeling. Modeling is all about looking natural and looking like you're comfortable. And when like every time I would try to do this, like Justin Bieber pouty face and I look like I'm constipated and it's because I'm trying to model and I'm not It's like acting is the absence of acting. You know, it's being in the moment and just giving into whatever's happening and going with it. So the more you try, the more fucked you are is my best advice, which is a tough pill to swallow in a new uncomfortable situation. But, you know, it's like, just have fun, man. Just yeah. be yourself. I had one experience where I was asked uh, Emily's agent. Uh, Charlotte, her her old agent at Wilhelmina, asked us to go audition for this Target commercial, and they yeah. wanted like real, real. Yeah, they love doing that. Yeah, <clears throat> so we went in there, and you said, "Don't overthink it." So we walk in, and they're like, "Okay, here's like a little brief of what we want you to do. We want you to walk in. You're walking into Homecoming. <laughs> we want you each to do your best dance move. Mike, I want you to spin Emily around, and then you guys are walking into the dance, and all your friends are in front of you. So like, say what's up." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like a very classic That's audition cl- situation. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, like I, I've never really been in front of the camera. I was behind it. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I thought we were gonna go in and like take a couple snapshots. Yeah. So like I went in and I did. I like did this like drop knee spin around thing that like I had like learned at Townhouse maybe the weekend before. Yeah. And I thought I I thought I killed it. Like I I thought I was so good. And immediately these like four people with computers on this couch in front of me, they're like, whoa, 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 buddy. Like, <laughs> take it easy, take a step back. He came in a little hot there and I was like, 
I can't do this. And, and that was it. And well, a lot of that is just learning like the geographics of the room in terms of like how close to get to the camera and where your mark is and what they're looking for. But I mean, I did, I did not know. This yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that my first audition was for Kraft Mac and Cheese. And I was auditioning to be the a nude model in like an art class. So the scene was like I walk in and drop my robe and like strike a pose. And I just like was so over the top. And like the guy was like, okay, okay, like I like what you did there, but let's just uh, do it completely different this time. And like gave me a lot of instructions. And yeah, auditioning is it's it's like the weirdest situation, but that's a skill. Like you, you have to learn to audition. You have to take a class. Yep. Um, because I remember Emily, your wife had, was asking me about commercial auditions because she's primarily a print model and a lot of print models fall into this trap of like, well, I get booked all the time off my photos. So I'm just going to walk into this room and like crush this audition. And it's not, it's not the case because it's such a specific skill. And there's classes that just teach auditioning because it doesn't matter what you're going to bring to set. It's how well do you know this little process of auditioning? Yep. And that, I mean, you got to figure out how to audition, whether it's talking to friends or because you don't get any feedback and that's the worst part about it. You, you, they don't say yes. They, if they don't say yes, they don't say no. And they don't tell you why, which is so frustrating. And I was just on another podcast today talking about the audition process and without a fault, every time I walk out of an audition saying, I crushed that, I do not get the job. Never. And every time I walk out of an audition saying, well, there's no fucking way I got that. My agent calls like, Oh, you booked on star. I'm like, what, how did that happen? And I think it comes down to when you think you crushed it, it went the way you thought it should go. And when you think you messed it up, it went the way it was supposed to go. Yep. Because you have your idea, but there's a lot of people behind the camera, directors, clients, producers, agency, who have a totally different idea. And if you don't listen to what that cameraman, the guy working the camera is telling you, you're not giving them what they want. They're giving, you're giving them what you want. And that's a, that's a big trap. It's funny. You're not the only one. Like, I can't tell you the number of times Emily's come home and like, just been like, shit, like I completely blew that. And then yeah. call back the next day. Like yeah. it happens, happens a lot. Yeah. I just, I just booked a commercial or a shoot because it was for Jim Beam and I walked in, it was just a personality interview where they just ask you a question to get like your personality on camera. And the guy goes, um, what's your favorite drink? And I go, chocolate milk, hands down. And he just shook his head. And I was like, oh, you mean alcohol? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, and just backpedaled. But that just showed some personality up right. top. That's all you needed. And yeah, I got the job. So it's one of those things where just don't overthink it and just listen to what they say. Because that camera guy wants you to be the right guy for the job. He wants to help you. He knows what they're looking for. They've told him he doesn't want to see 400 people, but right. he's going to. But he wants to know, oh, Mike Smolo walked in. He nailed it. I know I can show that to my boss and say, I got the right performance out of this guy. Yep. So listen. It's the same with working with a photographer. Listen to what they have to say because they know more than you. They're God on set, you know, as far as you're concerned. Yep. So what would be your number one tip for, say, I was a model who just wandered onto set. Um, and I, I pulled you aside and was like, dude, I don't belong here. I don't know what I'm doing. My friend asked me to do this. I need the paycheck. What would you What would you say to calm me down? I mean, you know, I just it just comes down to just making somebody comfortable. Like yep. I, I think like put the whole job aside, put the photography aside, like put your camera down and just just talk talk to you and just try yeah. to make you feel comfortable because yeah. like it is a scary place to come into, but it's also scary for the photographer and right. it's also scary for the person at the agency or whoever hired everybody else because if they fuck up then like that's that's on it them. just goes up the it chain it just goes up the chain so yeah. everybody wants to do a good job and everyone's just as nervous as you are yeah and so like it's not 
you're not special in feeling scared. Just know that you have some company and yeah, a big thing for me is when I get, when the, you know, the camera's hooked up to a monitor or maybe the photographer shows me some shots on the back of the camera where I get a little fee. He's like, Oh, this looks great. Like, take a look at this because it's just like, we all have imposter syndrome. Like I show up to like a shoot for speedo and I'm like, I cannot be in a speedo. There's no way they want me. They're going to be unhappy with the way I look. But then the photographer is like, Oh, check this out. This is perfect. And it shows it to me. I'm like, that photographer's skill combined with whatever I can bring to the table, like, oh, that looks like a Speedo ad, and I can just start to relax a little bit. So getting a little bit of feedback and some encouragement totally. visually is so nice. Because, yeah, it's also, it's also not all on you. It is on the photographer. Like yeah. you said, like, you may think that you aren't the right person for it, but, like, mixed with that skill of the photographer and yeah. the set design and whatever, like, it does all come together. So, yeah, I guess maybe snap a couple photos and I can show you what, what is working, what isn't working. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've worked with someone who's, like, completely unseasoned yeah but yeah i mean i guess you kind of move up the ranks with the models as a photographer for sure but so if you're shooting and a model is to say hey can i can i take a look would that bother you no not at all yeah not at all because sometimes i get a little nervous about asking some people are so helpful some people are super private about it um like you said i mean i think it helps i think if they can see what is working and what isn't working yeah you can see what's working and be able to to translate that to the model then that's that's gold it's just like having a little bit of an art background myself and like when I can see the composition coming through on the frame, I'm like, oh, I, I get what we're going for here. Because when you're standing in a 360-degree environment, you don't see the crop. Right. But when I can see that crop, see the tone, see the lighting, I'm like, oh, okay, this looks like an ad. I know what kind of ad it looks like. I'll sort of adjust the way I move my body or the way I use my face. And it that feedback is so nice. Like, I'm such a visual person. Um, but I've always kind of been nervous about asking to see the back of the camera. And people are a little weird about it because... They don't want you to take a picture of the monitor and then share it on social media because that's its own problem. But that's fair. Yeah. And I mean, every photographer is different. Like I, I say that I don't care. There's a lot of photographers that, that do care, I'm sure. Yeah. And there's a lot of photographers that come on set and they're not they're not nice and they are just there to do their thing and they don't have patience for people that don't know what they're doing. But yeah. like, you know, at the end of the day, we're all people and like you can't expect to get the best out of people unless you're getting along. Yeah, I had a photographer in one of those situations where I was kind of scurried to set and they were cycling through a ton of people in these little vignettes and it was like a real awkward, I was in scrubs. It was for like a scrubs company and I was supposed to be drinking a coffee on a rooftop and there's no one around me. I'm supposed to like talking to a friend who doesn't exist. And the photographer's like, stop, stop, stop. Like you just need to relax. And I was like, oh. it's like telling someone to like calm down. It's, like, <laughs> it's not going to work. Like, oh sure. I'll be calm now. Yeah. She's like, you, your body's just tense. And I was like, well, now it's more tense because everyone's looking at me and I'm not doing my job. <laughs> so that doesn't help. So how'd that end? I don't, I never saw the shots. I never worked for them yeah. again, but I got paid. So <laughs> at the end of the day, that's I mean, you can only do what you can do. And that's the other thing about modeling is the more situations you get in, the more comfortable you are. I've done lifestyle. I've done e-commerce. I've done commercial shoots. I've done editorial stuff. I've done runway. And, you know, if I walk in a situation and realize, oh, this is that kind of shoot, I can sort of change the way I go about it. But, you know, there's always a first time for everything. And for sure. a photographer who's cognizant of that and maybe you can pick up on the fact that someone's not sure what they're doing and can help them in a way that doesn't make them look like an idiot in front of everyone else is so nice there's a first time for photographers too like they had to start somewhere yeah i think that if people can work together like no model no matter how good you are is going to be able to like shoot a campaign of selfies like they can't no one can do it themselves you know (laughs) they'll try yeah they might try (laughs) and who knows this day and age maybe they maybe they can that's a new idea someone's gonna steal that yeah i have no idea but I, I mean, I think just like a work, if you guys can just get comfortable with each other yeah. and just know that everyone's
everyone's there for the the same reason and we're trying to make the best thing yeah. possible like i'll i'll be the guy who makes sure that the light looks good you're in the right place you do you and then if it's not working we'll figure it out like yeah i mean because the photographer is your lifeline on set you guys are tethered together yep. through that lens and that relationship can be as intimate or as cold as you choose to make it yep. so the warmer you can make it the better it's going to be i mean when emily and i tested as intimate as it could have been like it was it was basically like a first i mean you a, married her so. a forced first date yeah. yeah and because we had to get comfortable with each other yeah. so we ask each other questions and then next thing you know we're we're married so yeah i mean it's not like that now i don't i don't have these first forced dates with yeah with people on set but like it's it's interesting like you really are forced to to become close with someone like in an instant and yeah it's tough i mean it's like speed dating and but you don't have a choice in not liking that person right like you have to just see through whatever flaws you may perceive and then just be your best self and be as considerate as possible as accommodating as possible because otherwise like i said you're going to get this rebound effect where it's no one's having fun and no, there's just tension and so it's it in kind of a way you have to be selfless and just hold your ground and use your skills and talents but also realize that you're working with a person who has feelings and models are, tend to be very insecure so stroking their ego or just giving them a little bit of encouragement goes a long way Yep. That's part of the reason why I've asked you to test with me and some of like the big, like we did a big fitness test, which broke me into like a more full-time gig with my agency. And then we did more of an editorial test, which got me an agency in Orange County with it models. And I asked you because I'm comfortable with you yep. and I could come to you and say, this is what I'm looking for. I've never done it before, but do you kind of, here's a mood board I put together and you're like, Oh, I get it. Like, and I'll bring some advice to the table and you bring what you can do to the table and it worked out. Got some good images, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any last bits of advice for our model community out there? Um, I would just say like everybody's coming from the same place and just as as nice as you can possibly be to everyone when yeah. you're working, just it just is better for everybody. Like and I think that goes for photographers, goes for models, goes for hair and makeup people, it goes for stylists. Like everybody everybody wants to do the best job possible. So if you can just try and be pleasant then yeah. it just it just goes such a long way because when it's the opposite it's it's really difficult yeah to work with people like you, you everyone's gotten on a job before and had someone scowling at them and and like i think you said maybe in, in one of your, your previous episodes like you think they're scowling at you but then you talk to them and they're just like nervous but then yeah. so, but sometimes they're not and like i mean you got to be the first one to be like hey like have you tried these chocolate covered almonds they're really good like <laughs> it sounds pretty good yeah <laughs> well thanks brother i appreciate you doing this of appreciate course. you being a you know a stable friend and creative collaborator all these years absolutely it's nice to it's nice to have a little continuity yep and uh i look forward to working with you again in the future mike yeah i'm gonna muscle you into some more test shoots yeah. great i'm in. all right man thanks right. a lot awesome bye kids